Welcome to another episode of Take It Off. I'm your enthusiastic host, <laughs> Ann Darji. This week has been something else. <laughs> I said enthusiastic, but I'm really exhausted because I went to a Tom Brady football game. What do I say, Tom Brady? The, a Buccaneer. I didn't even know what that was till I went to a game, a football game. And then I went to a fashion show, and then I went to uh, Bush Gardens, and then I went to a county fair, and then I'm here, and next weekend I'll be in Mexico, and I am exhausted. I'm exhausted. And just a heads up, I'm, I am going to Mexico this week for a vacation with my little baby, and so I won't be here next week, but... This week, we have an amazing guest to make up for it. Today's a lot of things. It's National Speak Up for Victims of Sexual Abuse Day. It's National Necktie Day. And October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Not to get too dark, but I just think these are important things that we need to go over. So, here to share her personal story, author. Women's empowerment expert, CEO, Miss Kenya Lee. Hi, Andarji. I'm so happy to be here. Coming all the way from the big D, Detroit, not Dallas. <laughs> how how is it up there? It's pretty. It's pretty good right now, actually. Um, the weather is pretty good. We're getting into the fall season. Oh um, the leaves are changing. It's getting a little bit. Um, a little cooler, but not bad at all. I feel pretty fall. I feel like, you know, you, you have to have thick skin to survive those winters. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like to just like even survive Detroit. I feel like growing up in Detroit, you kind of, um, you grow up fast. Uh, Absolutely. Because the culture is, I mean, wonderful, wonderful people, um, but the culture is a bit fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of depths and components to neighborhoods here in the city of Detroit. And so, yeah, you are definitely faced, you know, with, with having to act early, so to speak. I know for me, it was, it was that way. I was a, a little growner than, uh, I, I should have been at, at certain times. She was very mature. What was your home life like kind of growing up in Detroit? So um, my home life was primarily with my mother. My um, my mom uh, and, and my dad, they did not uh, marry. So it was my mother and I for a while. And then she remarried. And so I had a stepdad, you know, and then I had a little sister to come along. And we lived on the northwest side of Detroit. And so it was pretty typical uh, lower middle class family, you know, Um, but definitely the environment around me was tough to say the least. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you said that you once were in a domestic violence. Should I even say that whole word? Should I just say DV? Which one is easier? Um, Well, you know, sometimes people don't know. Okay. So you might have to say the whole thing. I'm going to say it I, because I don't want to trigger anyone. <laughs> I know you were once in a domestic violence relationship. 
Um, mm-hmm. Kind of take us back a little bit on the beginning of that. So um, with with that relationship, I met him fairly early. I think about eighteen years old. Oh, you were a young thing. Yeah, I was pretty <laughs> not pretty naive, you know. Um, but really had uh, a a sweet tooth. I always call it for the bad boy image, you know, mm-hmm. the bad boy, the the protector, the guy that comes through that like the knight in shining armor. So you know, met him and um, things just, you know, they start out one way and they end another, you know, and he was quite possessive, quite controlling. Um, How long were you two together? About a total of eight years. Eight? Yeah. So that's like almost all of your 20s. Uh, Almost. Like, absolutely. People... Oh, oh my good. And then was he around the same age as you were? Was he like older? Was he younger? He was older. Yeah, he was older by about five years, which, you know, sometimes can not help a situation that's going to go bad because they've got more experience and more know how, you know. Um, and I think I think that's a five years doesn't sound like a big age, but 18 and 23, like mm-hmm. you're completely different life stages. Exactly. Exactly. So me just coming out of high school and trying to figure out what my life is going to be like, you know, when he's already in the midst of things. Yeah, he was he was quite influential. I'll, I'll, I'll say it that way, you know. Oh, uh, And, you know, uh, at 18, you do think it's a tr- I remember being 18 and thinking like college boys were just so cool. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you think, oh, good. <laughs> Yeah, it's understandable. Do you remember kind of the first red flag where you look back and you go, oh, I should have seen it then? Um, definitely. And and it, you know, it didn't go from. It didn't just explode immediately, but the his his nature and um, his personality was quite a man's man and, and demanding and you know, possessive. Um, but at the time with me, that was sort of like an attraction, right? Uh, the the young ladies that were around me, you know, it was like, oh, he cares about you. He he wants mm. you to, um, he doesn't want you to dress this kind of way, or he doesn't want you to wear that kind of makeup. You know, he's just concerned. So that was kind of, you know, so those were the kind of things that I was dealing with initially. And when I think about it, it's like, okay, when someone's requesting for you to change the outfit that you decided to put on, this Mm. definitely needs uh, another evaluation. Exactly. (laughs) And it's like, what are you even wearing? Trying to tell me what to wear, boy. Right. And so that was kind of the first red flag was the outfits. Did it get worse from there? Did it kind of, you said, okay, I'll just negotiate this time, but the demands grew? Exactly. So it went from the outfits to the color lipstick. That lipstick is not, you know, that's that's a little bit too much that, you know, you need to change your lipstick. Or why are you wearing your hair like that? So it, it, it went from, you know, subtleties into ultimately larger things. You know, um, but it started out very subtle about how I looked, you know, how I presented myself, you know, and of course, 
his rationale was that I just want to make sure that, you know, you're, you're looking ladylike or, you know, I don't want my lady to, you know, come off in a certain light. But in actuality, it was just him controlling, you know, having that controlling mechanism. And he was starting at that very, you know, minor point. In eight years. Oh, my goodness. Even yeah. eight, people don't even last that long today. So <laughs> eight years is a long time. What was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back? Because it couldn't have just been makeup. I, I don't know if there was like physical abuse. Was he verbally abusive? <laughs> so um, to, to answer your first question, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was I had become pregnant. Hmm. And, um, you know, I had a lot of mixed emotions about it. You know, I was have we were having, it was volatile, our relationship. So we had a lot of, you know, clashes about a lot of things. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't know if this is something I want to do, you know? And so, um, but again, I, I went ahead and continued the pregnancy. And uh, throughout the pregnancy, it was constant turmoil and, and turbulence with us until about 23, 24 weeks of me pregnant, you know, in my six, going into my sixth month, we had a, a really big heated altercation and my water broke. Was it a, a physical altercation? At that time, it was not physical. Okay. It, it, it was a lot of yelling and, you know, uh, name calling. It was more of a verbal uh, attack at that time, at that day, I'd say. And my water broke, you know, at 24 weeks gestation. Things are a little different now, you know, and babies can sometimes survive, but my baby was not able to survive. So I had to be mm. induced um, and made to deliver her with the understanding prior that she wasn't going to make it. So, oh. you know, had went through a lot of ins and outs and ups and downs, but when that happened and I'm holding this, you know, it's one thing for me to have dealt with everything I dealt with, but when you're holding another being in your arms, which essentially that's what I was doing. I was holding her after I delivered her, but of course she was breathless. That took a, a, a huge toll on me psychologically, and it was a wake-up call. And that, that was the, the, the brick that broke the back. Not the, <laughs> not the straw, but the brick that the broke brick. the back. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, sometimes women, when they get into these relationships and something traumatic happens, it almost, like, brings them closer to that abuser because it's like now we can we can bond over this we're both in pain we're both in agony did he try to i'm assuming you guys were living together at this point we were yeah did yeah. he did he try to um i don't even know the correct word to say almost like get you to stay get you to like feel sorry for him that he was also suffering this oh miscarriage. yeah Oh, absolutely. He was going, you know, according to him, he was going through a world of, of distress. And, you know, it was all about him, as everything pretty much had been, you know, and he was suffering so bad. And oh, my God, now that the baby's gone, you know, now I have to, I, I know I'm going to lose you. You know, all of these kinds of things, the victim role comes about. Oh, my about. goodness. 
you know, and so that's very typical of abusers. They'll change positions um, to be the aggressor and then they'll step back and they'll become a, a bit submissive and they go into a victim role. I'm going to kill myself if you leave me, you know, those sorts of things. So it's quite common. So I did experience that, you know, when um, when this took place. And where do you two stand today? Um, completely in two different worlds. Okay. You know? <laughs> in two different worlds. We have no contact at all with one another. And, you know, from that traumatic event, you know, I say that she came to give me a better life and a, a better understanding. Because when that happened to me, I started researching. I started, you know, wanting to heal myself and understanding that something's going on with you. You've been tolerating these kinds of abuses, you know, for a long time, what's happening here. So, um, you know, from that I was birth, another chapter of my life, which I'm standing right in now helping other women to cope with similar situations. And the, and people are listening to this and I know they're going to ask the million dollar question. Well, why even stay in these relationships? Why didn't you leave him after the first red flag? And it's, it's so hard to leave these relationships with a clean slate. It's almost always like a back and forth until, I mean, I remember once I was in a relationship that wasn't the healthiest and I moved, I changed my phone number. I had to, I didn't know you could block someone on email, but I did that too. (laughs) And so it wasn't easy, but you are actually with the majority of the women and men who experience this why don't they leave sooner because you're operating from a place of not having the the mental clarity you know i i'm a firm believer that if we identify who we are as far as having self-awareness a lot of pitfalls we can avoid but when you're coming from a place where you are letting someone um, dictate who you are and his opinion or her opinion of you is is what you value, then mm. it's, it's very difficult to make sound decisions. And for me, I had low self-esteem, you know, um, and I adopted everyone else's opinion of me for my own instead of taking the time or putting myself as priority. And I had to learn how to do that. And it's funny that you said like low self-esteem. It's kind of like, does the chicken come from the egg? Does the egg come from the chicken? Is the root of these kinds of relationships, the root issue, a person's insecurities or the abuser? It's both. both. You can't have you can you you can't have one without an, uh, uh, another. You know, you have to have a, a willing participant. And with abuse, domestic violence is a cycle that happens. You know, you have the honeymoon phase, things are getting tense in the second round, then you have the explosion, and then you go back to the honeymoon phase. So without a participant, without a woman that doesn't understand her worth, you know, or wants to make another person priority, the abuser doesn't have anyone to abuse. And you'll notice that, you know, I've asked so many women that I've worked with, you know, when they know about exes and different things like that, 
you'll talk to different women that have dated the same man and and one yes woman, he's never acted like that with me he's never raised his hands to me he's never got aggressive with me but the next woman it will be a totally different so it depends it, it depends on a lot on where the woman stands from an emotional and mental wait standpoint. wait 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 really absolutely okay that's sorry i, I take that guess back because that's not where i thought this was going wait so you're saying the abuser it's not kind of ingrained in him he can adjust to his partner yeah yeah it, it is it is times that he, they can adjust and 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 what i mean by that is if 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 a man sees a woman uh confident and and not saying that it's like that a hundred percent but for the majority if a woman is confident and understands her worth and is willing not to tolerate, you know, being talked to any kind of way or whatever, typically they'll back off. And that's not the woman for them. That's not the yeah. woman, that's you know. That's not the woman they usually, like, I feel like they end up with. Because that woman and the man, they're, like, almost competing against each other. Because, like, she sees it. She sees the manipulation. She's not. She's not putting up with it. Exactly. So they go for the one that doesn't have a clear cut understanding of who they are and they're trying to, you know, figure it out or just that need. Because, of course, you know, and I tell people love and belonging is one of our human needs. So everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants a, a, a great relationship. And sometimes when we're not in the place of understanding ourselves, you know, we can allow a relationship to take precedence over everything, including us. Uh, and I feel like a lot of that comes from childhood. Mm -hmm. A lot of unlearning these things. Did you have to go to therapy to kind of dig through your own childhood to, oh, yeah. to kind of get yeah. rid of these patterns? Yeah, absolutely. So therapy, you know, is something, one of the first you know, things that I, I started, you know, toying with. I was a little apprehensive because I came from a background that, you know, you don't go and talk to strangers about things. Mm -hmm. We can handle this at home, you know, but of course, you know, that stigma now is is being released and people are understanding that mental health is, is very, very needed. Um, but with my, um, my insecurities came from my father being absent the majority of, you know, he, 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 I knew who my dad was and I had a relationship with him, but the relationship was very scarce. Mm -hmm. And so him not being in my life, um, you know, triggered and caused me a lot of insecurities. Now for other people, it could be other things, you know, everybody's got their trauma, everybody's got their own background. But for me, when I unpeeled the onion, I found out that it was due to my dad's absence and me really not understanding, me trying to fill that void. So mm -hmm. I'm looking for a father figure, right? I'm looking for a man to kind of, you know, a dad kind of takes control and takes care of. So mm -hmm. it, it was in a distorted kind of way, but that is what I was looking for. And when you peel back those layers, those onions and therapy trial, you will start crying. A therapist, yeah. a therapist said, um, said to me once, it was like, if this is the love that you think that your best friend deserves, then you should stay with him. And I was like, ah, 
because like the love we want for ourselves is like we always like okay he's not that bad he's okay but for our best friend i feel like we always want the best for them right and, and sometimes if you have a friend who is in one of these abusive relationships that could be hard too because a, a part of you you're telling them to get out and they're not listening and so you kind of you're just you kind of distance yourself from them right um but then if you isolate them then that abuser has a stronger hold so like what can we even do if we if one of our friends is in this situation so the first thing you want to try and do is not isolate them i mean not, you don't I know it's difficult for people to see what's happening and they become emotionally, you know, engaged in it. And it's like, I'd rather turn my head because she's not, she's not leaving. She's not, you know, no. doing what I want her to do. But the, the best thing you can do is be a support for the person. And I always tell people, you know, instead of talking about the situation, talk about what they can do to help themselves you know, maybe some help, self-help. Why don't you work on yourself? Why, what's going on with your goals? Try to gear them away from, you know, the abusive situation, which can be difficult. Yeah. You know? But the more that a woman works on herself and gets in tune with who she is, the better chance you have to breaking through to get her to understand that she needs to leave the situation. What if she's like, I don't need to work on myself, honey. I am fine. Have you seen yourself lately? Mm -mm. And I, I did have one friend who she listens to this, so I will not say her name, but I did have one friend who was in this situation and I was like, are you okay? Do you, um, do you need some help? And I think like within 24 or 48 hours, they had resolved it and and it was like it was like upsetting that i had even brought it up like what are you trying to do are you trying to play me kind of thing like it was like a defense mm -hmm. thing and i was like okay so like because you lie to you now i have to lie to you too like it yeah it, it just put yeah. me in an uncomfortable position yeah i mean well the entire thing is uncomfortable and, and and you have to have a little empathy for the woman that's you know you do being being abused because mentally she she's not in, in in her right state and so she's in denial about a lot of things no one wants you know it, it's a lot of shame you know yeah. and guilt that comes along with that you know the fact that you're taking that and, and a lot of times you know you you, you you want to have this tough exterior, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm badass. I'm, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. You know, but yet someone is physically harming you or emotionally harming you. So you have that conflict within yourself where you're fighting yourself. You're so disappointed in you because you can't leave. There's a lot of variations, you know, to that. So you, you want to, you, you want to try and grant them as much um, grace as possible. Can you grant them, can you ever grant them grace and space? Because I feel like sometimes if the abuser, I'm just going to say it now, if, if the abuser is over 6'3", we just need a little bit of space. Because what if they come after me? Like, what if they try to come to my place now to get to you? And, mm -hmm. and, and you know, you want to look out for your friend, but at the same time, you're almost 
worried for yourself as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, of course, if it's a situation where, you know, um, he's uh, uh, abusive and, you know, this is just, you don't know if he's a loose cannon is going to come where you guys are, whatever you want to, you know, of course, protect yourself. And the other thing you can always do and, and, and sometimes it, it works and sometimes it doesn't, but you can offer, you know, an 800 number or a resource that someone can have just in case it gets too, too thick, so to speak. But I mean, definitely you have to look out for yourself, you know, because a lot of times, you know, we've heard on the news how, you know, an abuser has come and, and killed the, the woman he was dealing with in mm. an entire family because of, of a racial you know, rant or her trying to leave and she's at her mom's house and he comes to her mom's house and, yes. and you know, something happens. So definitely you have to be aware of that. Um, the main thing that I tell people is resources. You know, there's so many community resources that we can reach out to, you know, even for people that are, if you've got a sister, you know, or, or sisterhood girlfriend that's going through this, you, you know, you can get tips from people that can give you angles of trying to reach her, you and, know. And just speaking from a sister, I feel like, you know, in the black community, we always talk about being you know strong black independent queens mm -hmm. but we need help with our throne too we need help with our castle as well and i don't think that we should be ashamed for asking for help like absolutely it shouldn't absolutely. be such a stigma against it it's such a stigma it's so unfortunate yes and so many people you know would be in different positions if that stigma stigma wasn't there. But the positive note, Andrew Rich, is that it is changing. You know, it, it, it is evolving where, you know, therapy or addressing mental health like anxiety, depression, things of that nature mm. is becoming more acceptable. But um, yeah, if we could see health as a whole, doesn't matter if it's your arm, or, or your your hand, you know, your brain is just important as your your arm or your hand. You know, we're not afraid to go and, and you know, get a cast put on our hand if we break a finger, right? Exactly. But, but if we're having some issues, you know, mentally, then we're ashamed. It, it's just not. It doesn't make any sense. No. And, and I think, like, also, because we are speaking out so much, I don't know if you're on social media actively, but... I think we're kind of in this weird trend of like almost glorifying toxic behavior like like well, like videos like oh you all never leave me and just you know it, it's it's done with lightheartedness um mm -hmm. but I feel like underneath it I'm like this is kind of unhealthy yeah I mean, the whole reality shows, you know, yes. all, you know, that is the big thing, you know, so it's like, no matter what, um, we got to do this and that we got to make it happen, you know, so yeah, there, there's a lot of that, you know, there's, unfortunately. There's this thing, like these people, this girl, her name is like Krishan Rock. I don't know if you've heard of her. 
but she she you're not missing out but she gets <laughs> into this mess with her partner and then blog sites like post it like every time they get into these like crazy arguments and now she her and her partner have a reality tv show together so See what I mean? yeah, yeah. It, it it's it doesn't make any sense at all but mm -hmm. i so no, no matter if it's unhealthy or not as long as we get views and as long as we can mm -hmm. make money off of this it's okay and that's not cool so and and even the people who are listening to this even if you haven't been personally a victim of domestic violence you probably know someone who has and it's it's really interconnected with other topics like even fashion rihanna's fashion line the savage fenty she mm -hmm. has been notorious for cutting ties with her ambassadors who've like made light remarks about domestic abuse okay so, so she's she's like very serious about yeah. that cause um fair anita it's another fashion brand that i know that one yeah they help women escape domestic violence so i think even in fashion we are like doing something towards this to end it even if it's a small a small thing right because it's smart it starts off small you know we mm -hmm. got to make the incremental steps but um absolutely i know with the fashion anita they are doing great work with trying to free people or, or free women of uh domestic abuse i think it's really great you know, we all have to do our part, you know, yes. no matter how, how small we may think it is. But you have no idea of the effect that you can have on a person by just offering a, a few tips or a kind, you know, listening ear. Like, we got to do it. And I, I was reading some statistics about domestic violence, and I read that almost, not almost, but a large percentage of black women who do report domestic violence to the police also get arrested themselves. And I was like, this is predictable, but this is also really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that came about Andrews because in the early eighties, well, seventies and eighties, it was very, um, you know, not until OJ was did things really, really turn around with that big case, you know, surrounding, you know, um, his wife and, and all of that stuff happening. But prior to that, you know, a woman would call for the police assistance for her husband, you know, hitting her or whatever. And they would come and they would say, this is this is a family affair. There's nothing we can do. Ugh. And they and they walk away. So when when legislation changed then, you know, of course, they start being more um, re responsive to the complaints. But uh, with that came, you know, men are saying, well, she's done this and this as well. So it had to go on on both sides. So that has a, a, a big part of where that comes from. And even like the fashion news for this week, she's kind of a style icon not in the fashion industry but the whole story with angelina jolie did you hear about yes, yes. and her husband well ex-husband divorcee there i don't know brad pitt he was like physically and emotionally abusive towards her and then the fbi looked into it and they said 
well, we can't press charges. Nothing happened. And then Mm -hmm. BBC actually, like, got information from him and said that none of it is true. She's making it all up. And because it happened so many years ago, like, this was, she said it happened in 2016. I think it's so hard to prove. And now they're saying she's, well, we think she's lying. She's like an Amber Heard 2.0 now, which I don't even think that's fair. I mean, it's just so convoluted, you know, it is, it's so difficult. And I I think that the emphasis needs to be on legislation in terms of how we deal with these cases. So, because, you know, on on one end, you've got women that go and they get these PPOs and then the next thing you know, they're back with the guy and it's violated, you know, and so prosecution they're angry they're like what's going on here they're just so many moving parts that it needs to be some focus on trying to set up a system of recovery you know um for the abuse the abused person and these abusers you know they've got their own issues and challenges that's why they're doing it to begin with so there needs to be some some systems in place to try to rehabilitate for sure. And even I'm going to speak on recovery. When someone has committed domestic violence, when can we as a community then open our doors back up to them and forgive them? Or are they kind of they're canceled till they die? You mean someone that has committed against someone? Yeah. Like when can we say, okay, you did this a long time ago, but now we see that you are changed and we we forgive you now. When they take the necessary steps and acknowledge, you got to acknowledge what went on. If someone, if a guy's still in denial saying, well, she got smart with me and that's why I slapped her in the mouth. No one talks to me like that. If he's, if he's giving excuses for his behavior, then you know that he's not at a place where he understands what he did was traumatic and has repercussions. But someone that's genuinely saying, okay, I get it you know, this is something I shouldn't have done. You know, I had some anger issues and I've made, you know, strides to take care of that. Then of course the person can be embraced at that time, but not until there is some sort of treatment and and acknowledgement from him. Accountability goes a long way. A long way. (laughs) And it's a, it's a long path, but it's, it's worth it. And speaking of paths, we have, tiny bit of time left but I want to briefly talk about the path to emotional greatness what is emotional greatness so the path to emotional greatness is getting to a point where you understand who you are you know self-awareness so the the book that I've written uh, which it has the acronyms of Egypt emotional greatness yielding to personal transformation we got to yield to that personal transformation and take the time to actually do that so um you know in the book i talk about three pivotal things that any woman can do on a daily basis to get them right where they need to be from an emotional standpoint you know we've got to do something doesn't take a long time but we got to be consistent and help us to move forward And where can the listener find your book, find you, support you, all that good jazz? So the book can be purchased almost anywhere. You can go on Amazon um, and just 
type in um, my name, Kenya Lee, or the path to emotional greatness, and it should come up. We have the electronic version, the paperback, and the hardback. And then options. in terms <laughs> options, absolutely. And then in terms of um, classes or uh, support, um, the foundation uh, Faith and Girls is a, a foundation that I um, founded and am executive director of, and that's www.faithandgirls.org. And anyone that's you know wanting to do some classes or workshops, we have a virtual. Um, academy that is being launched in January and it's going to be phenomenal to help women to because up until this time I've been doing hand to hand but now I'm mm. post covid you know we're doing the virtual thing and it's and it's wonderful so miss kenya lee ladies and gentlemen thank you kenya thank you so much for having me that's what's out that's what's in See you next week on next week's trend. Follow me at Take It Off Show and I'll see you next Tuesday at 5 p.m.